Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Live stream shopping is emerging as a new frontier for food and beverage brands as homebound consumers during the pandemic looked for safe ways to discover products and stock their pantries, and brands sought novel ways to tell their stories and drive trial after in-store sampling was put on hold. As it becomes safer to venture out of home and shop in-store, live stream and home shopping still hold significant appeal, as illustrated by retail analytics firm CoreSight Research's sales projections. It estimates that live stream shopping events generated roughly $5.6 billion in sales last year across categories and is projected to grow a whopping $26 billion by 2023, in part because the channel offers convenience and operates as a guided treasure hunt that makes discovery easier. But with so many streaming services, entertainment options, and increasing in-person shopping options, Capturing and keeping consumers' attention requires finesse, and generating the high-level sales volume demanded by the channel takes a lot of legwork before and after a segment airs. To find out what it takes to succeed in this fast-paced channel, this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast features stories and advice from three food and beverage brands recently featured on the home shopping channel, QVC, including Right Rice founder and CEO Keith Belling, Rind Snacks founder and CEO Matt Weiss, and Odomot Foods founder Andrew Suzuka. Once reserved for high-end niche brands or played for background noise on television sets of baby boomers and their parents, Home shopping shows and live streams are gaining new traction among consumers as they deliver an attractive combination of multimedia environment, interactivity, convenience, and safety in an era of social distancing. Right Rice founder and CEO Keith Belling explains that QVC has changed a lot over the years and is now a premium discovery channel that can help emerging brands build brand awareness in a way that more conventional channels can't. QVC was known for selling jewelry and gadgets and fashion items, right? And and some, you know, some high-end stakes, I think is what, what, you know, people think about. And that's what QVC was like many, many years ago. Their food business, again, did, you know, begin with those center-of-the-plate items like steaks. But over the past several years, they've done a, a really great job of expanding the product assortment in the food world to a lot of the products you find in most grocery stores. And the reason it's worked is they have this really powerful platform to demonstrate what makes a product special. And they give emerging brands this, you know, this really special sort of unique platform to tell their story. You know, we looked at it and with segments that range from six to eight minutes and sometimes even 10 minutes, the QVC hosts and, you know, the brand ambassadors are able to really bring products to life in a way that's hard to replicate anywhere else. And, you know, with that in mind, having a wide range of interesting and compelling products is you know, for QVC is one of the reasons their loyal customer base returns, you know, weekly, if not daily, to see what's next in, you know, in their food shows, which we're talking about now. Um, we, we saw it firsthand with our first segment. We, 
we, we agreed to do a segment on New Year's Day. It was going to be their first Powered by Plants segment. You know, while we think of rice as more than just a plant-based food, it was great to be, you know, kind of one of the featured products, a handful of brands that they selected. And it was, it was, it was kind of funny because when they told us the details, we were a little worried because it was going to kick off on New Year's Day at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm in the West, so that was 5 a.m. And, you know, we were a little bit worried and, you know, concerned how this would work. But we quickly saw the power of QVC when we sold out within the, I think it was a six-minute segment. And we had another waiting list of another, like, 25% more buyers that were waiting for us to put themselves on a wait list to waiting for us to build a fulfill and ship. So, so we're big fans of QVC. We've now done five segments, and we're, you know, really looking forward to continuing to build our partnership with them. Ryan Snacks founder and CEO Matt Weiss also participated in QVC's Powered by Plants segment on New Year's Day and echoed many of Belling's sentiments, underscoring the channel's potential as part of a broader omni-channel approach. QVC is a great example of a channel that probably has um, a lot of legacy or heritage um, stigma associated with it, that it is more in the background as a channel and the audience probably skews, you know, perhaps less young or less adventurous with respect to some snacking trends. And I think that's actually changing. Um, I think the perception is starting to break from reality and that there are actually uh, more and more of a younger, more uh, progressive audience uh, that is choosing to discover brands through QVC. I think you see it show up in um, the significant growth in their plant-based programming or programming around plant-based foods, which Rind was a part of when we debuted at the beginning of 21. And for us, it was another creative funnel that was important to our omni-channel strategy. And we wanted to test the waters and recognize the tremendous exposure and reach that QVC affords brands and felt comfortable enough with the assortment and the trends that we were seeing that felt like it was a worthwhile um, use of our time and resources to test QVC. So I think it's more important than ever to have a brand that reaches consumers wherever they shop. And that backdrop of, of where they're purchasing and where they're learning about new brands and discovering new products has, has been so fluid and dynamic, uh, both before COVID, but was a trend that accelerated during COVID where traditional shopping patterns were just upended. And so everyone uses that term omnichannel and for us, we really embrace the notion of having great brand presence at multiple touch points throughout a consumer's, you know, discovery trial and entry into a brand. Um, for us, that has started with key account grocery, um, particularly in the natural specialty arena with Whole Foods and Wegmans and the Fresh Market. Um, through COVID, you know, we had had placeholder business online through our own site and through Amazon, and we saw that accelerate significantly. So we've invested further behind a robust direct-to-consumer presence for Rind, 
And what we were really excited about and are leaning into more recently is the rise of these alternative distribution channels. So one example would be the grocery subscription box um, phenomenon that was already gaining momentum pre-COVID, but again was one of those uh, industries that saw such amazing subscriber growth um, during the quarantine period that by being on those platforms as a curated set of new snack brands, we were able to get in front of so many future customers and have such tremendous trial and entry into the Rind brand by being a part of Hungry Root, Imperfect Foods, Fresh Direct, Good Eggs. So we love these new alternative routes to market that are more platform and discovery-based. And that is sort of how we view the world of you know, our approach to getting in front of the consumer. Odomot Foods founder Andrew Suzuka, who has also been on QVC 16 times, adds that the channel is akin to in-store demos and the connections that it allows brands to forge directly with consumers, but at a significantly larger magnitude. QVC does an amazing job of connecting humans together connecting emerging brands with people that, um, you know, are, are, are looking and open to, to hearing stories and, and, and supporting um, the Davids in a Goliath-filled world. You know, just imagine taking your, your demo booth to someone's living room and literally speaking to them, and the only thing they can't do is literally taste it. But as a substitute, they have a host who they're feel very connected to because they do a fantastic job connecting with their customers, not just through the show and stories and being around for a while. Um, but on social media, you can go and you can FaceTime with them and you can chat with them and all the time. They're doing an amazing job really connecting as humans to other humans. Um, and so I think if you, if you consider the, the idea of it essentially taking your demo booth into someone's personal home, it's effectively what you're doing. Um, which I'm sure every brand in the world which they could, wishes they could do. Being the founder, I would love to be in every supermarket that we're in every single day and just clone myself 2,000 times, right? I mean, it, it would just crush. Maybe at that point we can achieve similar velocities to what happened in eight minutes on QVC, but it's, not, it's just not realistic. So um, you, you take the metrics and the learnings that you have from QVC, you take what resonates with consumers, and, and you apply it where applicable um, outside of, of TV land. Even though QVC's velocities, metrics, and sales reach far outpace those of many individual retail banners, as Suzuka notes, Weiss cautions that brands shouldn't think of the channel primarily as a sales outlet. Rather, he explains home shopping and live streaming straddle sales and brand building, and therefore their impact falls on both sides of the budget ledger. You know, you have to get your unit economics right and make sure that you have it in your budget to view this potentially as, as marketing and sales, and um, because it is unlikely to be your highest profit channel. It's huge awareness building. It's huge um, discovery of your brand by a, a large audience and with giant reach. Um, but value is a paramount attribute to the QVC consumer. And as a result, you have to have very sharp pricing. 
And so long as there is that budget or the appetite for brands, and often smaller brands, it's more difficult. You have to navigate that trade-off between the incredible exposure and brand reach you're going to get as a small brand, but also the, um, the profitability, you know, return on, prof- return on profitability metrics that you have to be comfortable with because they are going to be um, tighter than some other more traditional sale- selling channels would be for you. I think brands need to understand that this fits into their overall sales and marketing strategy, but should not be on its own you know, viewed as this is going to drive um, X amount of sort of bottom line contribution to our year's profits because that's really not, that's not what I think the QVC platform is about. I think it's much more brand building and uh, than it is about building a long-term profitable business around. And it plays a role back to that sort of omni-channel market saturation of a brand that can prove itself successful in a number of different channels, whether it's uh, you know alt retail, whether it's online, whether it's a, you know television-based programming, things like that. Operating within a framework that QVC and live streaming are brand-building opportunities, Wright Rice's Belling recommends that companies need to work with a broker and an on-air representative who can help position them for both storytelling and sales success. First of all, we did our share of research to prepare to prepare for working with QBC. Um, that started with us talking to a handful of brands that had worked with them, you know, some both successfully and some not, just to really understand. And then to tell you the truth, the next and most important step was finding a really good QBC sales manager or broker with deep with deep experience and success on QBC. Um, you know, we interviewed several learned a lot from each of them. I mean, there's some really talented groups from very small to large. And we ultimately hired an ex-QVC buyer who was referred to me by a snack brand that I had known and had been very successful on QVC. But we hired him and his agency, and he has really deep experience both as a buyer and in representing brands. So he really understood it from both sides. And then, and then with that, you know, you have to, you know, then you're on air and you need a great brand ambassador. Now, look, some people have founders and people do it themselves. Um, you know, I really, that wasn't something I thought was the best for, for Right Rice. I mean, I could have done it. Um, but what we really wanted to find was a really good brand ambassador that would, you know, kind of be able to tell our story well. And we were really lucky, and this was a really important part of the experience that you asked about, to bring on, his name is Chef Stuart O'Keefe. And, and Stuart is a you know, big fan of right rice, just very organically, very authentically. And he has deep, you know, food network TV experience. And he's done a lot of stuff on QBC. I've, I've watched enough times and seen founders do a great job. Again, it's very authentic. And if we didn't have somebody like Chef Stewart or some of the other people that we could have used, I, I would have been happy to do it. But I actually think having somebody show you how to cook, who's, it's very organic, and you can see his enthusiasm and passion for the product just makes a big difference. Um, and they help you. I mean, they help trained. They have food stylists to help you prepare everything. I mean, they're, they're real professional what they do. No matter who represents the brand on QVC or another live streaming event, Belling says the messaging must be tightly focused. Because while seven to 10 minutes may sound like a long time to fill, the time flies and overly complicated messaging can bog down delivery and slow sales. I think you have to really be careful about 
managing messaging. I mean, of course, when we started the discussions with with Jared, our our broker, and and uh, and our own team, you know, we had lots of messaging to share, lots of things we wanted to say, and you got to be able to cut it down to something that's going to work within that period of time because there's this, you know, this interaction they have between the host of the segment and. Um, and whomever the brand ambassador is that's on the show, and you have this back and forth, and they show the product and so on, and it you know has to feel natural and have a good flow, and it has to be something that's you know easy to tell that story, and it's just you know you and, and you can't say too many things. I mean, as much as we all want to say everything, you got to cut it back to really kind of the key points and and drive that messaging and 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 then let the product tell its story on its own as well. Rind Snacks Weiss adds that messaging should focus on the brand's story and taste or eating experience of the product. The QVC audience has a different set of expectations and is looking to hear more about how your product tastes as opposed to necessarily your backstory. And so focusing more on flavor profiles and fruit combinations and texture and taste more so than the business case for your brand, which I think a lot of founders are in the you know, autopilot mode of delivering is really important because it's a selling show and it's not a brand overview show. You have seven minutes to sell through 12,000 units of product in our case. And um, so it's exciting, but you do have to reframe and practice your pitch and make it much more of a sales pitch oriented around what your audience is looking for. And I think to do that, with other folks and be critiqued, you know, <laughs> several rounds is humbling and important to do, even if, you know, as a helpful exercise in building your brand and, and storytelling, um, but certainly for being successful on the, on the program. Just as important as preparing messaging for QVC and live streaming is preparing inventory and product mix which Weiss notes is a completely different animal compared to more traditional retail outlets, in part because brands must have a massive amount of inventory on hand and because QVC shoppers are very value-focused. It took a lot of stamina <laughs> and patience. Um, because you are uh, kidding together a significant amount of predetermined volume of product and it's your fr particularly your first foray onto the platform there are a number of variables and data points that you just don't have so you want to err on the side of having enough product to fulfill orders assuming obviously a, a real successful sellout program and just the logistics of configuring unique pack sizes um, you know, arrangements of your different blends. For us, we have, you know, we, we worked with three flavors and we had to do special variety packs and special single skew packs. Um, that was a bit of a undertaking to get that right. Ensuring sufficient inventory and lining up fulfillment ahead of airing a segment is hard, and it's a requirement for brands to go live on QVC but it also lightens the load after the segment runs, which is when Weiss says the heavy lifting really starts. The heavy lifting starts after the segment airs. Um, thankfully, though, you're only in a position to be on air if the infrastructure to support fulfillment has been 
put in place and verified by QVC and your, you know, the partner uh, that we worked with to set it up. And so the orders come in and honestly we were, they were being fulfilled uh, within two days, one to two days. Um, again, the orders were taken, processed and fulfilled probably soup to nuts by the time folks started receiving their product within three to five business days. And so that worked really seamlessly. And um, then you will start to get feedback from the consumers. Uh, QVC customers are not shy about sharing their um, affinity or their likes, dislikes with the product um, in reviews. And I think that's a great part of feedback from this core consumer who may not be you know, part of your typical um, shopper is to get that feedback and interact with your consumer post-purchase. There's a high bar for success on the program. And that starts with that sell-through and the expectation that you move a certain number of units in a certain dedicated segment. And then they monitor return rates and reviews to determine whether it merits another uh, additional segments and um, and programs. And so I think there's both a high barrier to get on because of all the upfront work that's required. And then to stay on and be invited to do additional segments, you have to have really had a dynamic selling experience in your time uh, on air. And so I think there are a number of reasons why it probably it is very coveted, especially now that the channel is more uh, top of mind for the kind of a post-COVID world, and also because um, you know, getting on the platform and really thriving and having a real presence uh, requires you know, uh, great buy-in and a great track record, and you've got to build that. But you have to do that with every channel partner. According to Odemont Foods' Suzuka, brands can further magnify the impact of a successful segment on QVC or a live stream by leveraging the sales numbers, consumer feedback, and more to gain shelf space and opportunities with other retailers across channels. The heavy lifting starts after the segment airs. Um, thankfully, though, you're only in a position to be on air if the infrastructure to support fulfillment has been put in place and verified by QVC and your, you know, the partner uh, that we worked with to set it up. And so the orders come in, and honestly, we were, they were being fulfilled uh, within two days, one to two days. Um, again, the orders were taken, processed, and fulfilled probably soup to nuts by the time folks started receiving their product within three to five business days. And so that worked really seamlessly, and um, then you will start to get feedback from the consumers. Uh, QVC customers are not shy about sharing their um, affinity or their likes, dislikes with the product um, in reviews. And I think that's a great part of feedback from this core consumer who may not be you know, part of your typical um, shopper is to get that feedback and interact with your consumer post-purchase. There's a high bar for success on the program. And that starts with that sell-through and the expectation that you move a certain number of units in a certain dedicated segment. 
and then they monitor return rates and reviews to determine whether it merits another uh, additional segments and, um, and programs. And so I think there's both a high barrier to get on because of all the upfront work that's required, and then to stay on and be invited to do additional segments, you have to have really had a dynamic selling experience in your time uh, on air. And so I think there are a number of reasons why it probably it is very coveted, especially now that the channel is more uh, top of mind for the kind of a post-COVID world, and also because um, you know getting on the platform and really thriving and having a real presence uh, requires you know, uh, great buy-in and a great track record. And you got to build that. But you have to do that with every channel partner. Ultimately, while promoting a brand over live stream or home shopping channels like QVC may not be for everyone, and they can be a heavy lift, especially at first, it's also a tremendous marketing and sales opportunity as illustrated by the experience of these three brands. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week. <music>